I'm Dawn Ennis. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. You're in the transporter room. The new year is here. Carly, 2021, and nothing's changed. Uh, <laughs> I, I prefer to call it 2020.5. Star date 2020.5. But COVID is still the worst thing ever. President Trump is still the worst president ever. Um, we still haven't been able to um, stop people from being uh, murdered who are trans. Um, people are still not respecting people's pronouns. Um, I thought it would all be better in the new building. Well, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Yeah, and I know. The who. Hey, you know, I'm excited, though. Um, I'm making progress with Weight Watchers. Uh, I got my eyes checked today. So I'm checking on my health. Um, blood sugar levels are good. I'm still walking and eating right. And I'm not dead. That's a good thing. I'm glad you're not dead because uh, me too. I mean, as hard as difficult as the year as 2020 was, there was there were some great things about this year. We did a lot of great workout sports. This podcast really came into its own in the last year. Episode um, 64. Can you believe it? Yeah, we're yeah. At, we're at episode 64. Um, I have a story that I have a story in out sports about somebody who ended their year on a happy note. Stacy Francis star netball player for team England star defender for team England through three world cups coming back. It has a goal of, of trying to win the next one. In addition to getting in addition to also winning in the common goal games for England in 2022, before calling it a career. In addition to be a star player in the professional ranks down in Australia, married longtime friend and former teammate for Team England, Sarah Bayman, in a ceremony back on December 29th in Bath, England. Now, now as difficult, now consider what they had to go through in 2020. Sarah is the head coach for a team in the in the um, Vitality Netball Super League in the UK. Okay. Her her girlfriend now. Now, married spouse is playing in Australia, is playing in is playing for a pro team, the West Coast Fever in Western Australia, 9,000 miles apart if you're scoring at home. In that's addition, a, that's a rough to, commute. Let's, let's just admit it. That's that's tough. Yeah. But not only that, it's something they've gone through for three years. But this year, you don't know when the leagues are starting, if the leagues are starting. Stacey Francis is still down in Australia. As the new year, as 2020, as the calendar reaches 2020, and then the pandemic hits, and you have to stay down there because you don't know if you're going to have a team or you don't know if you're going to have a season or not. Because if they do have a season and you're stuck in the UK, they won't let you back in. Thus, you won't be able to play that year. But so she decided to stay down there. They did have a season. The season ran from May to October. May to October. Lost narrowly in the in the championship round of the finals that year this year, then came back, then came back to England, got married on December 29th. And just hearing about this story and reading about it to build our own story was just huge. And I could tell you right now to both of them is a wedding pre present from the transporter room. Stacy, Stacy, Sarah, come on the Anytime you want to come on the show, the floor is open. The door is open. Love many to have you. Many blessed returns. Mazel yeah. tov to the happy couple. Yeah. I'm very happy you wrote that story so that our readers can tell all about it. I wrote a story for an outlet called StarTrek.com 
It debuts next week, my very first piece for Star Trek.com. And through Star Trek.com, I met the editorial assistant, Kate Gardner, who is in Los Angeles waiting to be beamed up so we can talk about this week's Star Trek Discovery finale. Carly, please set coordinates. Can I energize? Kate Gardner, when did you on up? Hello, I'm excited to be beamed on board. It's really great to have you. Carly and you have something in common. I run when I'm being chased, but you ran when? In high school? Middle school. I did crew ah. for a season in high school, but that was my cross country in middle school, seventh and eighth grade. <laughs> Carly's our, our resident trans athlete. Carly, I would say that um, the thing I love most about Kate is they wrote an interview with one of the unsung heroes of season three, Noah Averback Katz, who plays Rin. If you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, shall I say, played Rin. Rin bit the dust, literally, last week. And this week is an amazing, amazing finale episode, which I just watched. I can't tell you any spoilers other than it's a wonderful conclusion to season three. And uh, to my BFF, Maya Monet, don't worry, no cliffhangers. You better not let anything out. You better not let any cats out of the bag because I really want to see it. Because earlier today, I was watching the last episode from the 30th. And wow. Were you surprised that, uh, that Ren, you know, got it? I was sad that Ren got it. And, but it, it's interesting the way that they're treated. It's interesting the twists and turns that we're taking in this in kind of this timeline and the twist and turns it's taking one of the things in both discovery and Picard that I really enjoy is the bigger picture. And both are looking at the bigger picture of the Federation in a sense, giving us this different history of the Federation in a sense, how the Federation lost its way. Hmm, I like that. It's in, I like that. It's investigating that. Who could that be? It reminds me of. I just, I can't put my finger on it. So, Kate, tell us, how did you luck into this job? And what was it like talking to Noah? Well, um, I I have been a fan of Kendra James, the man managing editor of the site, since long before I actually was keeping up with the sort of the Star Trek.com that she and the rest of the team have built. Um, that's really started last uh, in 2019. Oh my gosh, I almost said last year. I'm still, I'm I still in 2020. <laughs> yeah, you're still but, writing 23rd century on your checks. I know. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Um, but back in 2019, she posted a job advertisement for the editorial assistant on her Twitter. And I have been a Star Trek fan since two, actually it was 10 years before I got the job. I saw J.J. Abrams' Star Trek movie in 2009 and I hadn't really watched a lot of Star Trek before that, but that movie just blew my mind. I was remember just crying my eyes out at the opening scene and then immediately going home and watching The Trouble with Tribbles because I was like, I need more of these characters immediately. And so 10 years later, I see this job posting and there was something in my brain that was like, if you don't go for this job, you're gonna be, you're gonna regret it for the rest of your life. You're gonna, it's gonna be that missed opportunity. And so I applied and I went in for an interview and then a couple weeks later got the best email of my life. And then it's just been a total dream ever since. Isn't that amazing? They're a Star Trek fan who grew up with the reboot Star Trek as their introduction to Star Trek. I grew up on the original series because 
I'm ancient. Carly, what was your introduction to Star Trek? It was a mix of the original series, the first movies, who, by the way, Kate wrote a stirring defense of the original movies, I might add. And I was... Yes, I did read yeah, it. We went through your we went through your oh, reportage. Are you kidding? Yeah, we oh, went through no, it. No, no, no. That start. I mean, that we learned that early at pod at podcast Starfleet Academy. We do the homework. <laughs> we do we do the homework. No, you wrote a stirring defense, and I, I found I agreed with a lot of it. Because for a long time I was I was critical of a lot of the original movies, with the exception and with the exception of perhaps Wrath of Khan and Search for Spock, which I did enjoy. But oh, come the, on. Voyage but, Home is one of the best ones. Voyage Home wasn't bad. It wasn't oh. bad. Actually, all the movies to me were pretty were pretty good. Even that first Star Trek movie. Oh, yeah. And there were there were a lot of good things in the Star Trek for, uh, the motion picture. First of all, let me just confess, I'm the kind of fan who loves all Star Trek. I mm. find I find love even I Enterprise find love in every Star Trek, even like Star Trek Five. And even and, Enterprise, oh, I like Star Enterprise. Trek Five. I, I have to say, Star Trek Five is worth it for Kirk, Spock, and Bones camping at the very yeah. beginning of that. <laughs> yeah. that, yeah. that the found family dynamics just make me cry every time. Well, no, and I, I, I really loved everything about Star Trek Five except for the special effects. And being a journalist, I had the opportunity to meet William Shatner as he was promoting the movie. And being someone who grew up idolizing William Shatner, here I am alone with him in the green room. What question, what possible question could I ask him? My very first encounter with the captain, I said, I heard the special effects in your movie suck. And his face just went, <laughs> can you uh, get me more coffee? <laughs> So I didn't get an answer my question, but TJ Hooker I was right after that one. <laughs> I was right. Well, yeah, uh, Bill Shatner and I have tangled over the word cis and cisgender, and that's a whole different story. But tell us about your experience comparing the rebooted Star Trek versus like Trouble with Tribbles with the original cast. Did you have a different feeling, a different vibe? You know, it's. I'm going through like my memory Rolodex right now, trying to pull up the exact feelings I had, but it was, it was obviously like, it's a change going from like a movie made in 2009 with like all like these advanced special effects and this huge budget to the original series, but just the heart of the original series that was there, it just immediately engaged me. And I just, I spent that entire summer from May, 2009 to, you know, the fall of 2009, just Rewatching all the original series episodes I could get my hands on, rewatching all the original series movies. I just, I, I, I have a science blue uniform in my closet and from that <laughs> Halloween, actually. I still, I brought it with me to Los Angeles when I moved because I was like, you know what? I can probably use a Star Trek uniform at some point. And you never know. Here I am. So, but I just, it's the heart that's in Star Trek. That's an all Star Trek, really, that just really, I think, draws me to the franchise. And just the heart in the original series is so, is obviously, like, it's a cultural artifact. It is of its time, but it's just the heart there is just, oh, my goodness gracious, I love it so much. Well, for yourself, let's talk, well, let's talk about this latest itineration right now. Talk about Discovery, which is, which to me is, and binge watching the first two seasons and following this third, one thing I've noticed is that that heart that you're talking about, it feels very original series to me in a lot of ways, even though it is updated, 
it's slicker, the production techniques are better. I'm just wondering, what about this run of new series, Discovery, Picard, Lower Decks? What has drawn you to those? Well, it's interesting because I've sort of marked the passage of 2020 through Star Trek shows, actually, because the pandemic was starting as Picard was airing, and then I watched Deep Space Nine for the first time in about May of this of 2020, and then Lower Decks came out, and then Discovery came out, and I just... I think all of those shows, actually, there's a common thread because they're all sort of tackling sort of darker themes than necessarily the original series did. And I think that that was a message that I needed to hear this past year because they just, there's always this theme of, yes, things can get really bad. Yes, things can be horrible, but there's hope if you do the right thing. And like, oh, goodness gracious, let me see if I can find a good way to phrase this. It's not that things will get better and they'll stay better. You have to work to keep doing things better and you have to put in the work to make things good and make things right. And I just, I love that. I love that. And I just, I mean, I, I, I think every single Star Trek show I've watched this year, Picard, Lower Decks and Discovery, as well as when I was watching Deep Space Nine, I think I cried at least five times. <laughs> Not, Lower Decks, I didn't cry as much because it's a comedy show, but I think the ending did make me tear up a little bit because- The Titan- I mean, Right, I, like, I was I was completely doing like Kermit flailing arms when I was watching the finale. It was just it was it was so wonderful, and it just it's the heart of those heart. I guess that's the word of the day is heart. Um, it's the fact that they have to just continuously work towards being better, but people are willing to do that work and they're willing to fight for what's right. I think is something that I needed in 2020. So I think with the new shows, I think that's something that I really have enjoyed with them. That sound effect means it's time for a break. When we come back, I still want to hear more about Noah. I haven't heard enough about Noah. And there's a show that Kate is just an expert on. And let me just say, it's a four-letter word, beginning with L, ending in T. And I am lost without you, Kate. So we'll hear about that on the other side of this break. You're in the transporter room. And we're back in the transporter room. I'm Carly Chardonnay. We have along with Don Innes today from StarTrek.com. We've got Kate Gardner with us. But Kate, we know that you love some Trek. But I do. I do love show, Trek. But the show that you're really, that you really are the expert on. The one that makes your heart beat. The one that you know the, that on trivia night, if they ever have a trivia night for this show, I'm, I will fly you in from L.A. to help me win it, is Lost. <laughs> what got yes. you into Lost, so deep into Lost? Oh, I can, I, I can recount my memories with Lost so vividly because it was sort of, you know, interestingly enough, it is the reason I went to see the Star Trek movie because J.J. Abrams was involved with Lost. And I was like, oh, cool, J.J. Abrams is doing the Star Trek movie. I'm going to go see it. So I can really put all my thanks all my thanks come back to Lost in the end. So I was in sixth grade when I first started watching Lost. I was a baby. And my friend Maggie at the time, she loved the show. And I was over at her house. And she was like, you want to watch Lost? And I had heard so much about it. And I was like, sure. This seems like an appropriate thing for sixth graders to be watching. So we watched a clip show for season two. And it was, I remember it vividly because the, it opens with the tail section hitting the ocean. 
And that scared the pants off me. And I, I think I developed a small fear of flying for a little bit after loss. So um, thanks, Dave. Lisa, no oceanic. Um, you won't fly oceanic airlines. Yeah, I right? don't fly oceanic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just, I watched that and I remember being like, oh, this is really cool. And then I watched the rest of season two and the finale when it was, uh, it was uh, the hatch blew up and then Penny gets the phone call that, you know, like, oh, Ms. Widmore, we found it. And I was like, oh, well, I'm hooked for life now. This is this is who I am. I'm going to build my entire personality around this show. And that's where we are. And it was also cool because it was one, I think it was the first time I'd seen like a main character with the name Kate. And I was like, that's me. And then I was like, that's not actually me because I would have decided between Jack and Spoiler far earlier if I were in that position. But there's two things about Lost that stick with me. One is the episode in which the couple are drugged and buried alive. To, to this day, that is like a nightmare scenario that plays in my head. Don't let anybody put anything in your drink because it might bury you on an island and you'll be dead and uh, really alive. And uh. Yeah, that episode was really scary for me because the, the spider bit them. Yes. And I have this horrible fear of spiders. Oh, me too. Me too. So that episode actually, I think it was... It's it's the only episode of Lost that actually like was I think a little above my like pay grade as like a child. So I was I, I would not recommend it for sixth graders. No, no. Yeah, no. I, and I was, I was in seventh grade when that one came out, and I was still oh. like, no, this is this is not this is. I, I quit my I like woke my mom up. I was like, mom, I'm scared. <laughs> and so that episode just really, yeah, no. I I I'm doing a rewatch now, and I will probably skip that episode, and that will be the only one I will actually skip in my rewatch. And I've got to just ask you. The finale. I, oh. I I just felt like they just basically said, I don't know, just do this. And it just wasn't satisfying. I mean, Game of Thrones, uh, Rise of Skywalker, you know, it just, it seems like when it comes to creativity, they run out of gas and then they just say, ah, whatever. <laughs> Well, I was not a fan of the Game of Thrones finale, but I have to say the Lost finale was probably, I loved it. I loved really? it. I'm, I'm a big Lost finale defender. Well, I actually have written multiple defenses of Lost finale, including one for a paper I wrote in college on strangeness in television. I think there were like three pages in that paper dedicated to being like, listen, Professor, I know that you don't like this finale, but I like it and here's why I like it. And I just sort of listed out all these reasons because for me, I mean, I guess I liked the mysteries on the show. I, I, I did spend one summer frantically going on all the tie-in websites they went in, they had and being like, oh, I'm going to figure out all these mysteries right now. But then kind of by the end of it, I was like, I have no idea what's going on. Time travel does make my brain leak out my ears. So I'm just in it for the characters. And this is why I think Lost's heir apparent was actually the good place. Lost got you because it made you care about the characters and what they were going through and the journey they were on. And that was always what the show was about. So when, I mean, I think they got a little middle mixed up with the mysteries and be, were like, oh, we're going to throw in a lot of mysteries. But at the end, I think they, they wanted it to be about the characters and the finale was about the characters. And so I actually have a quote from the finale that I can't remember quite exactly. It's the one where it's like, you know, you were supposed to be here with these people and like get this place. And I think I have that in my high school yearbook. Because I was that nerd in high school. I hope all my, I hope all the people who, who, who knew me in high school are listening to this and are like, oh, yeah, that tracks. So Don't forget, though, you also have a Substack, which we'll link in, the, uh, in our social media. I do. If you'd like to read more about Kate and Lost and her deep dive into the series, subscribe I, to her Substack. Please do. I'm going to get – it's going to get kick-started up again this week because the holidays, everything goes to the side – 
in the holidays. And then you can hear more about why I think The Good Place is Lost's heir apparent. You can hear more about my thoughts on love triangles. And you can hear why Dan Faraday is actually the best character that was on Lost. So I do a lot of finger guns. You can't see this because this is a podcast. <laughs> but I like I somehow got started doing that when I started at StarTrek.com. And now like I'll get Slack messages and I'll do like finger guns at the screen. I'll be like, oh, no one can see that. Do it again. <laughs> Okay, I just added a little special effect sound effect oh, so that warms my heart. Thank you. Thank you. One thing about Lost is, well, I always thought Lost, especially the finale, it reminded me of something David Lynch would probably do. There was a lot, I that was that whole show. It was like, okay, this is some weird. I was why I watched the whole run of Lost and I still don't get it. I need to watch it again because it was all. Tw- it was all Twin Peaks to me about once, but once we got to season three. Now for yourself, you—I mean, you nerded out through high school, same as me. <laughs> same uh, as same me. as us. Same as all of us. Same as all of us. Now, one thing did—I mean, how much did your nerd? How much did your nerding out affect something? Did your nerding out have some? Did your nerding out affect your coming out? What was the story? What was the story for the coming out and the coming of age for you? Well, I, for me, my sexuality, I, I, I'm queer, and so I, 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 I use queer just as the catch-all label because, like, I've switched through so many labels in my life that I'm like, you know what? I'm just queer. I'm marrying a woman. I'm. I got engaged last year, which was the Woo! highlight of 2020 for me. Wow! Um, congratulations! Congrats! Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she's uh, she's uh, in the other room right now, and so I hope she, I hope she can hear me and say that I saying that I love her. Um, <laughs> but for me, my sexuality was sort of a weird. I went to Oberlin for college, and there it was just it's a very inclusive. That's where I learned like freshman year. First thing you learned was introduce yourself with your pronouns. So I was watching the Silent Hill movie because I was really into The Walking Dead at the time. There was. Uh, the actress played Andrea, who I had a crush on at the time, and I didn't know that I had a crush on her because I thought it was straight at the time, was in that movie. And she comes on screen, and I realized, oh, no, I like girls. I like girls. And so that that was a really easy moment because I was at Oberlin, and that's such an inclusive place. So just the coming out process there was, I always felt very validated, very safe, and my family is very supportive. So it was really wonderful there. Coming out as non-binary was a different story. I'd always sort of I had aesthetic crushes on male characters because I I realize now on reflections because I wanted to look like them. I wanted to sort of like have this more like masculine appearance. But I also wanted to have I, I wanted to be able to sort of have the freedom to float between genders. And I sort of like really doubled down on being like this hardcore like feminist, not in the turf way. I was never a turf. Just let the record <laughs> know that. But I was I made girl power like the defining part of my identity. And then I kept thinking, a, a, a friend of mine came out as trans and I started thinking then about gender and I just started thinking about my gender. And then I think I was actually at work when I first had this little inkling of a thought. It was like, hey, you might be non-binary. And I remember being like, oh, oh, cool. And then I like just, I, I, that one was a bit more of a struggle for me because like I kept it, it and it's hard to say because it's still such a new journey. I only came out really publicly this year, obviously this year, since this year was when I started figuring things out, but like a few months ago. So it was, 
it was, and I used fictional characters. I used Star Trek and the Dax symbiont to like really help me sort of like figure this out. I was like, okay, so Jadzia has, gets to get called old man and she gets to use the pronoun she wants, but she gets to have the masculine and the feminine experience and have both inside her. And she gets to do what she wants and be perceived how she wants. And I love that. And I love when Esri Dax actually says like, oh, these pronouns all confuse me. Cause I was like, oh, that's a mood. That's a whole mood right there. So Star Trek, really helped with that. And I was, um, I came out to my boss actually a couple months before I started, um, I, I decided to come out professionally and I started using she, they in my bio because I was like, I'm, I'm starting to get to the point where I want to use they, them pronouns singular, just like as my pronouns, but I wasn't quite there yet. So I was like, I'm going to use she, they and alternate. And that's going to give me the comfort of the familiar with the sort of the where I want to go. And then when Blue Del Barrio and Ian Alexander were announced in the cast, I, I think I cried for like an hour or so when I saw, because I, I knew that they were going to be cast, but I, I had, when the news was officially out, I was just weeping because it was, it was real. It was happening. And there's going to be someone in Star Trek who's like me. And so I knew that when I, I, I immediately slapped my boss, I was like, I have to interview Blue. I have to interview Ian. And unfortunately, I didn't have the chance to interview Ian this season, but I'm hoping to do that next season. So, but Blue, and I got to tell them that I was non-binary and that the casting made me feel so seen. And we got to share this really wonderful moment during our interview. And that was the week I came out. And um, I uh, and I will say that the Star Trek.com team is one of, is, such a queer friendly space to be in. And I'm probably gonna tear up talking about this because I cry at everything, but <laughs> it's just, there was never any question about the pronouns. I was able to be um, openly queer and just talk about my girlfriend and there's never, and you know, just my, my perspective as a queer person right now, my perspective as a non-binary person is incredibly respected by my team members. And it's just such a fulfilling moment. So very long story, so. No, it's a great story. Your boss actually, uh, sang your praises when I first approached uh, Kendra about you know talking about the podcast. Um, you know I'm trying to get a, a pitch to her, but I'm also saying, hey, you know we have this podcast, and immediately she said, well, I know who you should talk to. They're the perfect person for your show, and here you are. Here you are. Mm -hmm. I oh, thought gosh. of you. I thought of you um, as you were talking about um, Blue and Ian, and it's interesting because if you haven't read the story, listeners. Blue came out just as Adira came out. They evolved from not really being 100% sure, but knowing that they were different as their character also determined, this was a safe place for me to say, my pronouns are they, them. And my curiosity to you is, how do you deal with idiots and other people who just aren't able to put their mind around the fact that they, them, is a perfectly acceptable pronoun. What do you say when people uh, either misgender you or don't observe or respect your pronouns? I, well, I know thankfully- it's a new thing. I know it's new, but it's, it's still hard. Thankfully, I haven't had that experience personally yet, but there's a reason why I don't put my Twitter handle in my bio on my, um, when I'm writing stories for StarTrek.com because I just, I don't want to invite people to into my space to tell me that I am not who I am. So for me, I prefer to just stand in support and use, use my weight to like uplift discussions 
from people who have sort of had experiences that I haven't had and haven't and who who sort of are since I'm such a baby in the community, I don't want to like be speaking over everyone. Like I'm the Lorax. I speak for the trees, this, but <laughs> so I just prefer to be kind of quiet and use my platform to uplift, but I still think it's important. And it's meant a lot to me to be able to just put they, them in my bio at work, because that means that like someone, I think I, um, it's just as important to know that like there's people behind the scenes who are like you, as it is to see the people on the screen, because that gives you hope that you can, be in those spaces. So I just, I mean, I guess it's a little off topic, but I, I guess it's its rather than dealing with the bigots, which I blessedly haven't really had to deal with and more of just trying to be like, okay, I'm, I'm out. So how am I going to use my platform to make other spaces safer for other people? So. It's a hundred percent on, on platform, hundred percent on the point. Exactly. Kate, I'm wondering what's your thoughts on some of the backlash that you're seeing among some of the sci-fi fandom in regards to a blue or an Ian being cast or, or the people complain about why is the, why is the captain black? Why is this? Why are there so many queer? All of a sudden where all these queer people come from? They're ru They're ruining our sci-fi. Dang it. Yeah. Or virtual What's your thoughts on that? Virtual signaling. Oh, yeah. Virtual had a fan, I had a fan today on, 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 on our Facebook post say, Oh, it's all Kurtzman. He wants to, you know, has an agenda. I think, well, I've had a lot of experience with Comicsgate when I was, uh, back when I was still identifying as a cis woman and I was writing for the Mary Sue because I, w I, I had the audacity to say that gay people should be in the other star franchise. And um, Comic Comicsgate made a hate video about that. And I was like, oh, this is, frustrating and terrible and but I just don't understand especially when it comes to Star Trek that I feel like if you watch the show and you come away with these hateful bigoted thoughts I, I get very confused as to what show you've been watching because even Captain Kirk has that famous line there's no room for bigotry on the bridge keep it in your quarters or whatever the line is and that's been that was in like the fourth episode of the series, I think. I I, I tried to rewatch the entire. I, sure. I did actually rewatch the entire yeah. original series. Balance of Terror. A couple of years back, mm -hmm. but it was so Star Trek is so much about the togetherness and the unity, and you don't look at the Cardassians and say, "Oh, those are the here actually the heroes of the story." You know, the the Federation is the heroes. It's the the idea of coming together and you know respecting everyone's unique backgrounds and what they bring to the table that's what star trek is about so for me i guess i just would i'd like it if people just took more of the roddenberry message to heart to me when i hear a lot of these people i'm thinking how much trek do you even trek do you even trek bra <laughs> that's my thought do you even do you even i mean we're talking about a show we're talking about a show that had a character whom one of the defining figures of the 20th, 20th century said, it's important for you that you stay in this role. Mm -hmm. It's important for you, you stay here. You know this story, right? Martin Luther yes. King spoke yeah. to you know, I told that story to Blue. I wanted them to know that they were in the exact same place as Nichelle Nichols, that being out, being non-binary, using they, them, is representative for everyone who's either not ready, contemplating, or struggling, trying to make their way in the world. 
And I think you're doing the exact same thing. And I, my hat's off to you. I think it's great. The same thing goes to Carly. The same thing has been said of me. We are, like it or not, role models. And in some ways, um, I, I wish I didn't have to be. I just like to live my life. But I accept it because if I can help someone avoid a struggle that I went through or I can inspire someone, uh, I'll very brief story. 2015, LA Pride, my first LA Pride. I'm marching in LA Pride. And this gay man, who I don't really know, just met for the very first time, kept asking me about being trans, kept wondering how did I know and all these other things. And, you know, well, we got time to fill, so I just answered all the questions. Not a week goes by, and I get an email letting me know that they're coming out as trans. That's wonderful. She wasn't a gay man. She was transgender. And to this day, every year when she comes, has her coming out anniversary, she gives me a little shout out to say, it's all because of you. And I just get all choked up about that because, no, she found it in herself. But I was just there to guide the way. I, I shone a light, you know, and this mm -hmm. is the path. And you're doing the same thing. And hats off to Blue. Blue is doing it, too. Um, yeah. Blue Ian, is you talk to Ian, though. And I, I think, look. I mean, they have, they've evolved a little bit. They, they use they, he pronouns. And um, they're very uh, flexible about their fashion sense and their presentation. And he likes he pronouns too. And he wants to be able to just do whatever he wants. And he embraces his acne. It's all about just being true to who they are. Yeah, I, I follow Ian on Twitter and they're just... I, I, I see them as such an inspiration, honestly. I just, every time he posts something, I'm like, oh my God, goodness gracious. It's just, it's it's so wonderful to see just, I, I have a lot of feelings. <laughs> <laughs> and rightly so. Now, I'm wondering as far, since since Trek is making this evolution, the next the next step forward, Picard's, Picard's on the way to a new season. Discovery's going to most likely, get, it should get, a, if it doesn't get a fourth season, it'd be a crime. They are. Right, they're in production right now. Okay, they're in production. Great. Lower Decks will be back. There have been a lot of rumors as to what comes next. What would you like? Where would you like to see Star Trek go next? Oh my goodness gracious! If if I could pick any, I would love to see where it happens to Kira and the rest of the Deep Space Nine crew. Um, I would love to see. Uh, a little more of Dr. Bashir because Dr. Bashir is one of my favorite characters in all of Star Trek. Alexander Siddig is just a wonderful human being. And I would very much like to see some more of Bashir. I'd love to see some more with Garrick. I'd love to see Ezri Dax really come into her own. I'd love to see, I, I just, I love Deep Space. I recently, like I said, I recently watched Deep Space Nine for the first time. And I just, with the, within like the first five minutes of the pilot, I was like, oh, this is just amazing. So I'd love to see some more Deep Space Nine. I would love to see a Cisco series. I would also like to see a trans woman somewhere in Star Trek and not yes. just a guest star of the week. Mm -hmm. um, but I have to. I have to. Tell us about Noah. Please tell us more about <laughs> Noah. I mean, every interview I've done with the Star Trek cast has, with Star Trek cast member has been just absolutely wonderful. This is just the Star Trek cast from all the series are just filled with such wonderful people. Noah was such a delight to interview because. I just, I, I, he's told these stories about like, 
when he was watching Enterprise, his mom coming up with like quizzes about Star Trek for him and his friends and the winner gets a prize at the end. And that just, just hearing these stories, this genuine earnest excitement for Trek, he's just so, he's so wonderful. And it was just such a wonderful interview and I was smiling the entire time. It's just, it's, it's such a delight and such a delight to get, get to talk to the cast in general because they're all just so excited about the projects and so excited about Trek and excited about the fans and, especially with Noah then getting to talk about going to conventions as a fan and then sort of now getting to flip the script and going to conventions as an, as a, as a member of the Star Trek family. That's just, it's every Star Trek fan's dream. Well, I'll tell you what, based on that, I'm looking forward to Noah coming on the transporter room next week. We're beaming him up next week. And we are so delighted that you were able to join us. Thank you so much, Kate. Thank you so much. I, this was such a pleasure. Hey, keep writing the great stuff. I enjoy re- I enjoy reading your take on a lot of things. Even if I don't agree with it, I enjoy reading it. Very insightful. And I like the perspective you bring. It's fresh and it's new. And I'll make sure we have all the links to your um, Substack on our social media. Thank you. So, and, yeah. and we want you back. That's right. We're going to bring you up again. We when, want the next you back. Series, when the next series comes out, whatever one it is, Strange New Worlds or Picard or whatever it is, Absolutely. So live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. Get those coordinates, Carly. Back to Los Angeles. Energize. One to beam down. Thank you, Kate. Take care, Carly. I'll see you next week. We'll get to talk about the finale. And Noah Averback Katz will be our guest. Can't wait. Cannot wait. Live long, prosper. See you next week. Thank you.